So, Kwanji, where do you hire your staff? Um, we just people just come into us. Actually, <laughs> we we don't do you, uh, we don't put any ads out or anything like that. So, yeah, you don't have a special requirement. No, like two hour like gym goers. Yeah. You're saying like they're quite fit, aren't they? Yeah, they seem quite fit. Yeah. If you eat balls, this is how you will look. Yeah. It's a good advertisement. Yeah. Um, I never thought of that actually. Yeah. If you that's eat, a great angle to come in. At some point, we should probably say, "Welcome to Spice Bags, the podcast about Irish food in a global context." There's a restaurant in the U.S. called Big Bowls, which is very disgusting. Yeah, that's kind of gross. Okay, okay. So it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, what, why do? What is our angle today? Talking about the Chinese in Ireland. There's so many ways to talk about it. Like, why did we want to talk about? Is it Chinese restaurants in Ireland? It's, it's Chinese restaurants in Ireland, but it's also perceptions of Chinese food in Ireland and mm. I think perceptions of Chinese people also. Like I think that um, f- like food and Chinese identity have always been sort of so enmeshed. Chinese food is so good compared to Madrid or... Or even to like New York, Paris. actually. Yeah, just... I mean, we were, yeah, I mean, I was eating with my Hong Kong friend um, who, you know, did her PhD in New York. And she was like, oh, this is, we were just at Kashang. She was like, this is, this is London. She's mm. like, this is better than Manhattan. Mm. This is, yeah. And how did it get here? And also, I do want to say that Kwanji and I got to know each other when Kwanji was um, being cooking fancy at Cliff House. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I used uh, to cook fancy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, but no, but cooking cook, fancy. Like fancy, cook fan, fancy. Fancy, yeah. fancy Michelin Western at yeah. Cliff House. Um, but we were talking about this idea of the Chinese-Irish diaspora and how it evolved differently mm-hmm. like than, for me, um, in New York or yeah. in California. All right, well, maybe we should introduce ourselves real quick. And I have the question, why do they serve this in Parnell Street to Chinese customers and not to Irish customers? Blanca's holding delicious. up a photo. That's because you need Sweet to be in Sweet potato the covered in caramel. <laughs> Sweet potato covered in caramel. With this huge caramel coil. Yeah. And this is only on the Chinese menu. And my daughters were very upset that, why can't we order that? So we did anyway. But that's a question maybe for you guys. Like, why do you think they're not more... Yeah, yeah. Adventurous. It's definitely, it's definitely a, a thing that crops up all the time when people ask me, "Why can't we get the normal menu, like mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. everybody else?" But you do now, like you know. But before w- you have to ask, like because. Well, also because we, we assume that no, you don't like this kind of food, you know. But me? also because it's because you've gotten bur- like everyone gets burned. Right. Like if you, you know, you might, you know, like I think that yeah. at least when I was and this is not in Ireland, but in the States, like when I was growing up, like people used to say that I ate worms or, you know, that my food was dirty and disgusting. Right. And there was that perception. And I think I mean, that to be fair, you do eat worms. Yeah. Do you, mate? Not, Ch- not as a Chinese person. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. as a me. She started okay. when she came to Ireland. <laughs> um, so maybe we should tell people who's uh, who's talking. We, well, so, uh, yeah, should we, like, maybe do a quick introduction? Um, yeah, my name is Blanca. I'm a cooking instructor and a Spanish food researcher living in Dublin. And uh, I'm May. I'm a food writer and living in Dublin from New York. And we have a special guest with us in the studio today. 
And <laughs> he just waved his hands, everyone. He doesn't know there's no television camera. Don't tell him. <laughs> so, uh, Quan Chi Chan here, uh, sports restaurateur, and also have a, a retail company which we sell um, sauces, Asian kind of sauces and spices. And yeah. Before we turned it. on the mics, we learned that Quan Chi is a retailer of spice bags. We no. develop spice bag you seasoning. Develop spice bag yeah. seasoning. Okay. Yes. To, to help people to mix spice bag at home. Make spice bag at home? Yes. This is very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I also have an anecdote. I don't know whether this will make it in, but I do remember when you ate your first spice bag, you were calling me, being like, yeah. this is a little dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, it's, it's a long story. Uh, I only ate my first spice bag, um, <laughs> I think, about maybe five years ago before I started the, the spice company, you know. And, um, like, people said, you have to taste a spice bag thing you know and I actually done the recipe on it and some some journalists actually asked me in Irish times to do um <clears throat> I do um a recipe so and I says right okay let me try this here and do a recipe I says oh I tried it I was like this is normal this is like a salt and chili chicken you know that we normally do in the Chinese takeaways at home was, so I went out and done a recipe and I think it blew up like the the recipe actually blew up online I think it was the highest hit and hits or something I guess ever um, for, so for people to do their own spice bags at home. Yeah, so the recipe was like, and she kept, yeah, it's really popular, you know. Awesome. So I went to walk around the supermarkets then after. I says, I have to be. It was like, people not make this at home, like you know what I mean. So I walked through all the supermarkets. Nobody sold any spice bag seasoning at all. So that's how I started spice bag seasoning. You saw a gap in the market. Yeah. So when it came out, and I think the first six months we sold about eighty thousand tubs, like you know. Do you want to just tell us where you're from? Okay. You know, like, yeah, how, yeah what's I, your... I, I, I sound really we're here to talk Irish, about the Irish yeah. and, yeah, about the Irish and about the Chinese in Ireland. So what's your experience as a Chinese person in Ireland or okay. a person of Chinese descent? So I grew up here um, since I, I came to Ireland when I was eight, you know, so I grew oh. up, I, I was born in Hong Kong. My both parents are Hong Kong, Chinese, so I like... I, I look fairly well, Chinese. but also you have, but you also have um, a northern grandmother, yeah. which explains that why Nor- you're so tall. Yeah, so northern Chinese, northern yeah. Chinese grandmother, to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my grandmother was actually was not as tall, like, but uh, my granddad was from Singapore. So oh. I, I have a lot of family in Singapore side and also in Hong Kong side from my mother's side. You know, so so you came here when you were eight, so you actually kind of re- must remember the a bit of culture shock. Yeah, def- yeah, a lot of culture shock, yeah. So I arrived in Donegal um, and Bunkrana in the Shone, which is a quite small town. I think it was a population of 3,000 at the time. It was like um, 89 or something like that, around the late 80s. Yeah. Wow. So I it's went... a really chill time in Northern Ireland. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my uncle, um, my dad's brother had a Chinese restaurant there and it just opened. So uh, I went there. And uh, he looked after me. And <clears throat> I remember I was the only, we were the only Chinese in town. Yeah. Okay, so I was the only Chinese boy going <laughs> into school uh, from primary school. And um, yeah, so it was tough back then, you know. So Yeah. yeah. And you started cooking when? Did you start cooking in that restaurant or did that start later? Yeah, I started cooking at that restaurant. Um, I, you know, every Chinese family back then, I think, helped out because that's what Chinese family do. You know, you help out to the, to the business, you know yeah. what I mean? And if you have to wash dishes or, you know, cook the rice or anything at all, like, you know, you help because, 
he had a lift upstairs in the the restaurants in the in the flat, you know, and yeah, then you go yeah. down and work, you know, and yeah. that's that's the way a normal kind of Chinese family did at that time, you know what I mean? Well, the other things I remember you used to tell me was just back in sort of the late 80s, early 90s, uh, when you didn't have that many ingredients. So like one of the memories I remember you go like, yeah, you had to grow bean sprouts in the <laughs> yeah. bathtub because, you know, and you Is didn't also true? didn't... Yeah, you had to oh grow bean sprouts in the bathtub because um, you couldn't buy bean sprouts at all because like, all that stuff came from England and we were actually only speaking to Eva, you know, from Asian yeah. Market and they were saying back then... Uh, you know, they're only starting really kind of getting into the food importing and all that. You so know, Asian so. market was eighty one, but I think Asian market is a Chinese uh, Asian market is yeah, yeah. Chinese grocer yeah. in Dublin. Chinese grocer it's sort of, and that's also kind of like it would be sort of the market <clears throat> dynasty, right? Yeah. And um, and they started I don't know. in Belfast, I think. Yeah. And he, I oh, think really? Howard, uh, Mr. Pow, actually was in Grimsby in mm. England working as an en- sound engineer. Who's and Mr. Pow? Mr. Pow is He's the, the founder of Asia Market. Yeah. Of Asia Market. Oh. And uh, and his brother called him from Belfast going, there is a real need because there's all these Chinese restaurants, but we can't get the ingredients. And if there's a holdup, like, for instance, I mean, you even said if there was bad weather, you guys wouldn't be able to get rice or oyster sauce. Yeah, Just that so, really... It's so funny when you talk about it now because uh, back of every Chinese restaurant, there's a big massive shed, you know? <laughs> I'm telling you. Like, it's not heard of these days because, you know what I mean? And they don't need their sheds anymore. Don't, I don't know because they get deliveries every week now. Oh, yeah. But back then, you only get delivery once a month or something like that. Wow. And we used to probably keep like 30 bags of rice or something like that. Oh, and God. then. 10 boxes of soy sauce. You there know? was a disruption in the supply <laughs> chain. It was, it was like a huge, like, you know, this stuff would keep you going for a month, like bags and everything, like, you know what I mean? And except the fresh stuff. So we used to have a grow our own bean sprouts in the bathroom. Because it needs to have a running water, you know, so. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So then you, you now have a restaurant in Dublin called... Bowls. And uh, that's on... It's on Marble Street, just at the at the start of uh, Paranel Street where the Lewis kind of swings around, you know, Paranel yeah. Lewis, yeah. So. And it's Chinese? It's yeah. Like, uh, describe well, it. It's like... So my background is uh, classical French, like I, I trained in classical French. So I went to Kelly Beggs Catering College after my leave insert. Yeah. And um, were you, you were like, I'm going to wear a big, tall, white hat and I'm going to no, do, I didn't, do the uh, whole thing. I, I, to be honest, like I, I was very good at art. Yeah. Oh. And um, I got honours in art and I was in between the, the thoughts of whether to go to catering school or because of the restaurant, you know, that I helped in or else go and do art. Right. Yeah. So. I always want to do like. I don't a, want to be weird, but he gets sexier and sexier. This <laughs> 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 is like three women. I'm used, I'm, like, uh-huh. I'm, used, I'm, I'm used to this. I've known him for too long. <laughs> we will be posting photos of him yeah, exactly. on Instagram like, very I soon. I just wanted to be an artist. <laughs> we're like, uh huh. Easy, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you were going to art. You wanted to do some art. Yeah, so what, I wanted to do art. And then I said, right, okay, so I'm going to go um, catering college instead, you know, so. Um, so I went to Kilibegs, trained classical French. It was hard at the start, and then I kind of got really good at it, you know. So, and yeah, so classical French. So I don't all find in throughout my twenty-eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and um, I suppose my last probably serious job was probably a head chef in a one Mission Star restaurant under uh, Mission Star chef Martin Kajuter, You know. A Dutch chef, which is in Cliff House Hotel oh, okay. down Armour. So I've done three and a half years with him, working under him. And um, so, and after that, we had a 
baby and then it says look it was either to say that would I want to spend 80 hours in the kitchen or spend time with my family you know so I says right I have to do a career change or do something you know so um so you decided to open a restaurant, which doesn't take any time. <laughs> yeah, I did a couple of jobs before that, okay. and then before open restaurant, and then eventually went into retail, done the sauces. Oh right, yeah. And then back at the sauces and spices, success that I came in a restaurant, you know. So, but yeah. also, I think you're. I mean, if it's okay to say that your Irish partner Michelle, like, like sort of helps almost have almost helped you sort of reconnect with the yeah. Chinese side. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Of your family, but your heritage yeah. and sort of in that sort of, and then also culinary, yeah. culinarily. Like, see, I really never know me. I kind of had a hard upbringing, you know, because uh, I, um, I was kind of abandoned by my parents, you know, I was thrown into Ireland. Yeah. And um, so my wife, Michelle, kind of was looking for my mother. Was like, she's not dead. Like, she has to be somewhere <laughs> around, you know what I mean? Like, so, and like, it's, it's very weird, like, you know, so Chinese people, Chinese families don't talk about the bad things. Yeah. They never do. Like, they always hide them and brush them underneath the carpet until you ask or find or something to get, you know? So I never asked because I never thought of asking, you know, or because I didn't want to bring up the hurt, you know? You're, sorry, so it was your wife who, um, who said... Uh, who yeah. said let's let's find your mom and like reconnect with this yeah, so heritage? she went um she says right okay i i remember that i was in belgium for a while before when i was eight because i definitely did because i went to boarding school there and so she was saying right okay let's there has can't be too many chinese in belgium like in antwerp alone like so she contacted all the restaurants i think and then um actually i think it was loads of them she wrote to them or she kind of emailed them or Facebook them. I can't remember what connection it was. And then um, actually one of them came back and says, yeah, because I have my birth Wait, cert with my mother's name on it. So she says, we, we actually know this person. Like, you know, who are Wait, you? So they were getting in touch with Chinese restaurants and Ch- in, your, your wife was getting in touch with Chinese restaurants in, in Belgium. In Belgium, yeah. To see if they knew your mother. Yeah. Like, yeah. not that she'd worked there or anything like that, but just whether she... Just, just you knew the name or, you know, did she know the connection. Just restaurant was such a pillar of the community. Yeah, because there, there's not that many Chinese in, you know what I mean, if you look at... That's amazing. Yeah. So actually one came back in, which is my cousin. So <laughs> it's just... Wow. We knew this person. Like, uh, why are you looking? for like you know so and plus it was a really old name that nobody kind of said because on the birth cert it's like a Gwendolyn you know what I mean oh so, yeah it's easy to track down a Gwendolyn yeah but uh, most people call it Gwen like I've never heard that Gwendolyn before like yeah. you know or you know it was memorable it was memorable like so it must be something serious you know so and that's how we got connected and uh, that was about six seven years ago and um, ever since um, before that I was Always, um, I suppose what I say, growing up in Ireland, it was always, um, it was, it was very hard for me, and because I used to always get called names and that, you know, yeah. and um, and my confidence went, and my confidence was always very low, you know. Yeah. I always have to work twice as hard as everybody else, you know. Yeah. So in everything, because um, and after when I started finding, I was never proud to be Chinese. Because I always see myself as Irish growing up here. Yeah. And um, I. But of course, from I the thought outside, I was. Yeah, I thought right. I was one of the boys, but you know, I never was kind of in the group, or you know, because I was kind of like an outsider because I look Chinese, like you know. So. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, after I started finding my roots, I'm very proud to be Chinese. So, mm-hmm. I'm embedded myself in um, trying to find my roots and opened a Chinese restaurant, a modernized Chinese restaurant. Right. Serving rice and so bowl, when it was, noodles. Yeah. When it was time for you to open a restaurant, what? 
what did you want to do with it? Do you know what I mean? What kind of Chinese restaurant? What kind of like a Chinese? Um, I didn't. I, I wanted to. I wanted to open something that um, that I remember eating the flavors that I know of. You know, so it's mainly Irish, Chinese, but I wanted to do more traditional and healthy side because when you break down Chinese cuisine, it's really protein carbohydrates and grain like you know so it's three different things so it's meat veg and rice or grain so I says right okay I can do something with this and the healthy kind of side of eating has come a long way in the last while so fresh vegetables raw eating veganism so I says right why don't we do a nice pickles pickles and fermented stuff is always like kimchi you know all yeah. the you know preserved vegetables is all really bedded in the Chinese culture for a long time it doesn't matter what it is like you can eat um, a pickled vegetable with a bowl of rice and a soy sauce and that could be a meal for you in Hong Kong you yeah. know without any meat because meat is only like maybe 20% of the actual meal because it's more veg and you know, grains and that. You mean specifically in Hong Kong, the cuisine is more vegetable heavy? Well, I think all across China. All across meat, China, yeah. yeah. Meat yeah. is only a small part of the meal, you know. It's mainly done on soups and veg and grains. And it's right. like almost like a flavoring. I mean, because yeah. for a while we couldn't just, just couldn't afford that much Yeah, meat, exactly, you know? yeah. Whereas the, your typical Chinese restaurant in a Western context will be very meat heavy at exactly, the menu. Yeah. yeah, and sauce based as well, you yeah, know. Yeah. So so um, I decided, right, we get the freshest um, of the meats. So we use Irish, all the Irish players and, you know, um, so we do rice and noodles. So I started going to Hong Kong after I met my mother a lot and I came across these um, real traditional it's called cart noodles it's all across Hong Kong it's one of the oldest things like compared to you know one of them cart noodles that they oh, push I've around I've never so I've cart noodles is uh, basically um, you pick um, you pick a noodles in the rice you know and then you pick three ingredients it could be like in Hong Kong it's all liver and uh, intestines or you know it's just like Irish people's definitely going to eat this like you know but I can change this into like fermented vegetables or food you know something healthy like the chopped or like the you know I mean sprouting coals something like that you know so so it says right just embed the whole thing together that you can actually pick vegetables meat and hot stuff you know what I mean and then you get your sauces at the end so that's where I created you know so so it's sort of on trend but actually it's this old traditional thing that you're just yeah. bringing, bringing so it's kind of combining um, old and new together yeah so and you, one of the, oh, sorry, sorry go ahead I think one of the first um, dishes that I ever saw you sort of do like you know sort of combining sort of the traditional Hong Kong with your own flair was do you remember when you used to do the um Nomi well we could say Nomi Ji, Nomi Gao. Mm, Nomi Gao, yeah. Yeah, and mm. um and so and like and you were because I remember like watching you sort of Julian everything and you know and everything yeah. you know, and like making everything. I was like, oh, this is a really interesting confluence. And then you were talking about how, you know, one of your memories of coming back to Hong Kong as an adult is like the vendors tossing them up. Mm. And you catch them in the windows, and like, you, like you toss, oh yeah, toss it up back and in the catch, days, yeah. and then like you, you drop the money down. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I that just sounds thought... so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there used to be guys, uh, there used to be guys, kind of flinging. Um, it's like a little sling, you know, and then they kind of fling it up to the because like it's all high rise buildings, like you know, and flats would open kind of terrace, like so guys would hang out, and I don't know what they actually do anymore, but but then they kind of fling it up. And then it lands on them. They're actually these guys skilled, and then you fire the money down, you know, instead of walking the whole way down and back up again. I'm telling you. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wanted to ask you um, your restaurant is very, very different to the traditional restaurants yes. of Chinese food uh -huh. in Dublin. You have coffee, you have fabulous pastes de nata. Uh -huh. um, pastes de nata? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, you use things like pomegranates and, and, you know, things that you normally don't see in other restaurants. What was the response from the Chinese community? That's yeah. because... Yeah. And I've you're been, also yeah. located right next door to... Yes. You're on the strip uh, of Chinese restaurants. It's a reason why I want to be located there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I could open a, probably a different kind of locations around town. First of all, this rent, you know, is cheap. And I says, right, OK, if I'm going to do something Asian, I wanted to do something close to all the real traditional Asian places, you know, and all that street there and Paranel Street, as it's called Chinatown, yeah. Um, that's what they kind of name it on Google. You can see it as Chinatown. Oh, I didn't know that. And um, on the map. And I says, right, I'm going to be to do something different. All the rest of them is all hot pots and stuff like that. And I want to be different and modern. And I want to do coffees every morning and pastries and that. And the first of all, it was like, yeah, you know, I didn't really accept it, but like I say, maybe thirty percent of our customers is all Chinese now. Oh, really? Know? Yeah. So Great. they all come around and they get the kanji in the morning. Uh, they come around and get the rice and the noodle bowls. Um, the guys come down and um, you know we do we do shiitake mushrooms. We do real traditional kind of bits and pieces as well. You know, from the hot section. Yeah. So we do both. Like um, we're more like a neighborhood kind of place now. You know, the people pop in and have coffee. The Chinese people kind of pop up. You know, the the supermarket lady around the corner comes in with her where their kids and their family come in for coffee and cool. egg tarts, you know. The Chinese comes in by egg tarts 20 at a time, you know, so stuff like that. Yeah. And what do you, so sorry, oh, I was, I was just going to say, um, what's the, uh, do you see any Irish people or any any non-Chinese people eating kanji in the morning? Absolutely, I'm just curious, because yeah. kanji is a weird one for me. Like yeah. it's, um, it's so delicious. Mm. But it also seems so strange, yeah. I think, if, you know. I think a lot of people, uh, the Irish people, def- definitely find it heavy, yeah. And, and, and like, what do you put in your country? What is... Um, it's just basically rice uh, cooked right down until the the, the grain kind of um, bursts open. So it's, it's um, a lot of... It, the congee is mainly for sick people in Hong Kong. So a lot of the... Um, a lot of the hospitals were served that to all their patients and that. But this, it's... You know, every every country has a stew, you know, because yeah, chicken of chicken soup. Yeah. That's exactly. So yeah. um, it's like chicken stew or something like that. Like congee is like a stew for Chinese people, you know. So Yeah, yeah we went to, May took me to this Taiwanese breakfast place that's right around the corner from Bowls the other day. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they it's did Fujian, a... Sorry, Fujian. Fujian. Yeah, yeah, my Fujian, bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and they did a kanji that was very seafood yes. heavy, yes. but it was a breakfast kanji, right? It was, yes. yeah. The, my favorite is when they actually do the kanji with crab. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so delicious. And I think also I'm just so used to eating, because the Chinese side of me is so used to eating salty and savory mm. for first thing in the morning. Yeah. So I think I immediately kind of, I'm like, yes, I want mm. rice porridge and crab. Mm. And I think that if you're not used to eating like that, that then heavy, it can be yeah, a little yeah. bit and it's not even heavy right yeah. it's, it's it's just, just really flavorful really, it's it very is, flavorful yeah. there were there were definitely some oysters up yeah. in the one that yeah. we, and we had I, oysters I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't yeah, do yeah. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm yeah, being so, real white right now but I, so we do we do a plain kanji we do a Hong Kong style which is a lot thicker and uh, we do chicken and scallion so it's more kind of good for everybody you know so we don't do seafood um we're not that busy on it, you know what I mean? So, mm. like, we probably serve a, a few, like, you know, some Chinese. Like, some days, we could take a load of Chinese people coming in for kanji and then, you know, a lot of Irish people coming in for kanji as well, yeah. you know? So I was going to say, though, I mean, just going back to this idea of bowls, I mean, I, again, I've taken friends there who are mm-hmm. Chinese, who are, you know, and, um, and they're like, oh, this is like Hong Kong. I think that there is sometimes a misconception of what a 
quote Chinese restaurant mm. is supposed to be like, mm. right? Like, I think that there are a lot of places yes. in Hong Kong yes. that are like that, you know, Absolutely. that are the, sort of yeah. like the bright chic. And I think that, you know, here we think of like when we think Chinese restaurant, we well, they paint China with a single brush. Sweet and sour, chicken Sweet curry, chow mein, you know what I mean? So I think food has moved a long way. It was, what, 20, 30 years ago now, yeah? yeah? But I think also because it was sort of an insular community for a while, yeah. I think that it also meant that you actually were getting really good yeah. food because it was being informed by Chinese people who were cooked. You know, like, yeah. the quality was being informed by Chinese and people. And that answers your question. To... Um, why do um, Irish people get a, a different menu than, you know, or than the Chinese people, you know? Because um, back then, um, we were slagged off for eating stuff for... Been different, you know what I mean? Like, or uh, you just eat, uh, you mm. know, you know, all different kinds of things. Like, you know, it's because ducks are hanging out the back and drying up, and you know, and you know, they think it's different, something else, you know. But um, you're kind of protecting whole... yourselves, exactly. From... Yeah. So you know, like, you know, we're s- yeah, we can give you that kind of food. This is what we eat normally. And now people want that kind of food. Now people want that food because it's hip. Yeah. I have to say, don't be scared to point the finger at some dish and ask the waiter to bring Absolutely, it because yeah. I have very rarely gone wrong with doing that um, in, in Dublin. I wanted to say that one of the reasons I wanted to move to Dublin, uh, because I came from living in Chicago and Madrid and different places, and we lived in China before we moved to Dublin. And I came here during the summers. And first of all, the weather here, like just the clean air. You're and, like, it's sunny yeah. all the time here. No, yeah. it was the weather I'm talking <laughs> about, like clean air, no like no smog. <laughs> and I started going to Chinese restaurants and the level was so good. It was really surprising coming from Dalian, which is um, Northeast China to Dublin and yes. being able to get really good food. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really, I've been coming to Ireland as a, you know, I've lived here four years, but I've been coming for 20 years. And the success of these restaurants, there's so many restaurants that serve authentic food. Even in the Western menu, you can find really good dishes yeah. and very helpful staff. I would say compared to other countries, that the staff are helpful in, in showing you what to get. That's my, my experience. Yeah, I think Dublin that now, like is like I go to Hong Kong every year and I do a bit of work with Borbia over there and the consulate over there you know for promoting Irish food and that and like I can see like Hong Kong is just like it's it's a mixing pot of you, you know um not traditional it's more modern you know what I mean because it's it's you know because the English um, colonized that and um, you know when you any kind of new kind of places that pop up in Hong Kong it's all kind of modern European you know, streak mm. on it, you know what I mean? So you, you don't know traditional. But now it's starting to pop up here. Like, you get specific dumpling places popping up. Just do dumplings. Like, that was unheard of from 10 years ago. Because you have to have a menu with 100 items on it because everybody had to do everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't specialise in something. But in Hong Kong, you specialise, okay, there's a place specialised in duck. We have mm. that in Dublin now, over by, uh, you know, Jerry Street. Called Duck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. So yeah. we have a specialised place for, you know, dumplings or, you know, stuff like that there. And I think it's great, you know, people can actually just go, okay, I want to go there for this. I want to go here for this. And I want to come here for this. You know what I mean? So I think it, the, 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 the restaurant... And the Chinese restaurant, among other restaurants, is a kind of a portal to a different place, to a different culture, you know. And I think sometimes people think about the the Chinese restaurant, for example, as a place that brings Chinese people over, right? But or, or that that brings Chinese influence or brings Chinese culture here. But I actually, you know, we were talking about this way that 
people you know, engage with um, with foreign food in this kind of superficial way sometimes. But uh, I was thinking the other day about this friend of mine who's from Northern Ireland who came from a really small town. She's a redheaded <laughs> Irish girl. Yeah. And she became friends with a, a girl who was in her class who was the daughter of people who owned a Chinese restaurant. She was Chinese. And she started hanging out there and she started picking up Chinese, started picking up Mandarin. And she won a competition eventually when she was, um, I think, in high school or something for like the best spoken, non-native spoken Chinese. Um, and then ended up getting full rides, obviously, to SOAS and Oxford. And has a, she's an, an expert in Chinese art now. Mm. You know, and I remember I... I studied, I took a class on Chinese art in college, and I remember thinking, this is so awesome, but I'll never have the language skills. Like, I'll never, it's too late for me. I can't get into Chinese art. Um, and so it's amazing to me, like, the story of this woman is is so awesome because it's about how a Chinese restaurant wasn't just a place to get exciting food or to tickle your palate with something new or to eat something trendy. It was actually a portal to outside of poverty mm. for her, first of all, and also, like, to a whole intellectual, cultural richness in her life that was completely transforming, you know? So, I mean, that's, like, obviously the restaurant for you was like a home when you got here. Mm. Um, but I think that the possibilities for it to actually be something, um, like, really, truly transformative for the for the local people here, mm. you know, those are really exciting to think about. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, where do you see um, Chinese food culture in Dublin in 10, 15 years? Do you see that Parnell Street will develop as the real Chinatown? Do you see more modern establishments, more trends? Um, yeah, I, I would love to see um, a Chinatown popping up somewhere in Dublin. Um, what do you mean? But I thought you said, you said there was a Chinatown. Yeah, but you I love that. Flags I, and stuff. I love that it's actually, you know, um, Dublin City Council actually acknowledging it. Do you know what mm. I mean? So um, I know there's different areas, like, but let's, let's you know, because that will actually bring tourism and like the London, like the way London mm. has, you know, for But a I long kind time. of, in a weird way, I sort of disagree. Like, I, because I feel as though, because Chinatown is always, you know, the Chinatowns in different cities have always had a history of being ghetto, like ghettos. Mm -hmm. And so why yeah. would we want to kind of create the, mm -hmm the sort of illusion that this ghetto has always existed. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, what I'd love to see is more high-end Chinese, mm -hmm. like, you know, people spending the kind of money that, you know, that you see like people spending in San Francisco or London or Hong Kong, like in great Chinese meals and for people to understand that mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're, they're, there's a finesse. There's, there's yeah. a finesse there's, mm -hmm. but that can be high end and also incredibly creative. Mm -hmm. Right. Because everyone I think is still sort of hidebound to this traditional thing. Yeah. Like, um, even if, you know, they, they talk about tradition, like Western food writers will talk about traditional Chinese. Oh, it's not traditional. It's like, yeah. what do you mean? It's yeah. not traditional. It's yeah. because, you know, um, and that, that I think I would like to see to start changing. And I know that you are doing it. I know that Kevin Hui is doing it, but, but well, just I to don't have do that it. I don't, I don't do kind of like a, a fine dining. I serve things in bowls because I want it to be kind of authentic, you know, it's like, right. Okay. This is, you know, this is what. Chinese people do like Chinese food is not but when you get to the different level I've eaten in like two stars and three stars in Hong Kong like you know that serves proper Cantonese like proper Cantonese chefs you know what I mean I actually went in the kitchen in the four seasons and it was the first Cantonese chef to get a three star Michelin like and 
it's so refined, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's just, you would never think, like, you know what I mean? From my thinking of Chinese food, like, it was just it's so refined. Like From a cookbook point of view and TV and food, I'd love to see um Irish Chinese person, you know, promoting um, Chinese food on TV and cookbooks. Quanji, um, you could be the next Ken Hom, but well, more handsome. Yeah. Who's um, Ken Hom? He's a very famous uh, British Quan Chinese. Is way yeah. more handsome than Ken Hom. There was a guy in on television. In, there was a guy on television in the U.S. Martin Yan. Oh, oh yeah, Martin yeah, Yan. yeah. Do you guys yeah, remember yeah. if oh, yeah. Yan can Yang cook? cook? Yeah. So no, but you know, but you know who he's a little like is um, I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, it's Boston chef Ming Tai. I do remember Ming Tsai. Yeah, Ming Tsai, who was like super handsome, Yale-y, blah, 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 amazing food. And again, combined French because he was, so he went to Yale, mm. he was an engineer, but then he did, ended up doing French and then he would use that with Asian techniques. He had this place, I think, I don't know whether it's still around, called Blue Ginger. Oh, yeah. And he like that. played squash yeah. and he was like very, yeah. Fusion. Yeah, it was fusion. Yeah. Um, but he's more Ming yeah. than he Back is. Back in them days, I used to love uh, Kem Hom. <laughs> Kem Hom was my hero, you know what I mean? And, and Yang really, had cook yeah. as well. And he was a bit more of a funny side. He was a mad, mad chef. Yeah, he was no, more of a fader. I used to love of. Martin Yan. I was yeah. totally obsessed with him, actually, yeah. when I was a kid. Like that <laughs> knife that he had and all his corny jokes. Oh, so it was so embarrassing as a Chinese person. Person, like it, he was for me like was embarrassing. Were you yeah. watching him in Ireland? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, used to, I used to see it here, yeah, in Ireland, yeah. And um, I was like, oh, this guy's funny, you know. <laughs> I can't believe it made it this far. Yeah. That, that was the days when PBS was like filmed in someone's oh, yeah. garage. I'm oh, sure yeah. all the I'm, I'm sure all the Asians would be like, oh no, this guy yeah. is like we're, we're just starting to get a. Bit, I literally you know? and, I and remember just, like, yeah us when when Martin <laughs> so yeah, used to come in like I used to just face palm I'd just be like and yeah. he's like ha 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 my cleaver like and I'm like oh. So you're probably yeah, yeah. getting jokes down the street going, yeah, I can't cook, you know, yeah, all exactly. the cleavers and all that, you yeah. know. But, um, um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap it up by saying, maybe we, can cut, we can maybe cut this at some point, but let's wrap it up. But I want to say before we go, go out, go to your Chinese restaurants, support them. There's been uh, this absolutely illogical abandonment of Chinese restaurants um, out of fear of coronavirus, which mm. is so dumb. We're so many degrees of transmission away mm. from the original source. If you're avoiding Chinese food but taking the dart, you're being a dum dum. But also, can I just say that because I think that Chinese people in the restaurant industry have always had this, they 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 know that people sometimes perceive them as whatever being unhygienic. So like mm. Chinese people will be like in the restaurant industry will be way more hygienic yeah. than anyone else. We're super hygienic, <laughs> like, you know? like, yeah. So crazy about yeah. that. It's that thing Kwanji was saying about sort of doing doing better than everyone. Yeah. Like I was like everyone. I was um like I was in Hong Kong and I, oh, I was just telling a story about this hot pot place I went to and before you had to go into the restaurant you get your temperature checked yeah and then you Stop get it. yeah and then you get your sanitizer hands and stuff like that before you go into this place right and you have to wait outside and by the time you went in you felt safe like you know what I mean because like yeah. everybody had to do this before you go in like, yeah. and all the staffs were wearing masks and it was just like they're so on top of things you know yeah. what I mean like it's just like unbelievable you know so totally mm. somebody was commenting that we're gonna all have to move to China because China has coronavirus under con- is getting it under control while everyone else like Italy and Spain are, are not so mm. um, should we just say before we go thank you so much Quanji for coming in and oh thank you guys it was great thanks Quanji yeah. yeah thank you if you like the show, follow us on Twitter at Spice Bags Pod. It's also our Instagram handle. You can uh, go there and find pictures of uh, sexy Guanji or sexy me. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for listening. 
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.